0: projected uh, Brother Sam in there one week and, uh, and uh, had to just kind of move things around. So we're kind of getting back into the to the series in, a, in a, uh, an organized way. And so the reason I'm telling you that is because over the next five or six weeks, we're going to really hone in on the core message that we wanted to get out with this series of the Everyday Gospel. Um, back before COVID hit, Back before we got hit with COVID, um, over a year and a half ago now, we went, uh, we we had an event that we were invited to go to at another church on a Sunday afternoon or evening, and several of us went to the event. It was uh, at a church over in in Stark, and it was an evangelism training. And it was an evangelism training using a method called the three circles. Now, I don't know if any of y'all know the three circles. Or not? We've been hesitant to kind of head back into that because that was the night we all got sick, and so we're like, I don't know if I want to go anywhere near that or not. But uh, but as we've been talking about sharing the gospel, we've been talking about the the message of discipleship and the message of evangelism that we believe God has given us as a as a church, as a people of God. Uh, we really wanted to kind of go back and revisit that, so. What we're going to do over the next five or six weeks is um, preach the, the context as to why this matters and, and how this three circles kind of comes together in the gospel message and uh, hopefully uh, give you some tools that you can be able to use to share the gospel in a real um, simple way something that's not hard to memorize or, or hard to deal with that's very conversational and that can help teach you another method uh, just a way to share the same message there's all kinds of ways I grew up on, on the Roman road out of the book of Romans that was the the go-to thing that was kind of used in the in the uh, The church I was in, and uh, it's really still where I go most of the time when I talk about it because it covers biblically, doctrinally, the the message of salvation. Um, The Three Circles is very similar to that. It just makes it um, real easy to to talk about the whole of what it is in a really um, tight, compact message. Um, Because a lot of times when you're talking to somebody about the gospel, you don't have a long time to share with them. It, it's just an easy conversation, an easy way to have a conversation that hopefully can lead to a greater conversation. It's not that this is like, okay, I'm going to sell you this tool, and then you just kind of go around and just pass this out and move on. But it's a way that you can begin a conversation with people and uh, that can that really meets the biblical mandate of sharing the gospel message with folks. Um, I, I don't know, is, is a, kind of as we begin this, we're going to begin where you guys just were with the um, the passage of uh, our memory verse for these three months, or these uh, two months that we've been working on, Matthew 18, 28, 18 through 20. That's where we're going to start in just a moment. We're going to go back and look at that again. Um, and as I was looking at that, I began to think about it, to realize that those were the last recorded words that Jesus gave to the church or to the to the disciples. Now, there there was some there's some conversation um, that's going on, and there was probably conversation that was had that's not recorded. But this is kind of the last words of Christ to his followers. Now, begin to think about this idea of last words. I don't know if you you've thought much about what you would say if you knew. You were getting ready to die or if you had a chance to say some last words. Sometimes people say very um, poignant, kind of sad things. Sometimes people say um, things that are are loving. Um, Benjamin Franklin. Everybody knows who Ben Franklin was. I think it's kind of sad that, that Benjamin Franklin's last words recorded were to his daughter and it was this. A dying man can do nothing easy kind of sad, isn't it? I mean, a man that had all the accomplishments he had in life, and he's thinking about how hard it was to die. Um, That's a man that doesn't sound like he's got a lot of hope to me. Um, uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, I think I got that right, he was the the, the famous writer. Um, His last words were to his wife, and I thought it was kind of sweet, he just looked at her and said, you're wonderful. Mary, you can say that to Sam. Practice. Trying help you out there, brother. you can set me up. <laughs> 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 sometimes, sometimes people say. Sometimes people say things that are kind of inspirational for for the future, uh, and, and not necessarily meaning to be inspirational necessarily. Uh, remember back at the the 11 um, the, the, the guy that went down on the plane that in Pennsylvania, I think his name was Todd Beamer. He, he said, "Let's roll." And that was the last thing that was recorded when they rushed the cockpit and ended up crashing the plane. And, and that was a big, you know, thing for, for a long, long time. I thought one of the funniest things I read was a comedian. Of course, comedians. Really. Um, his last, last thing he said was, "I told you I was ill." <laughs> he was spiked more million. And he had it right. He was, he was ill. But the last words of Jesus, the last words of God when he was in the flesh, how serious do we take it? I mean, how much do we really reflect on it? How much do we take it in and realize these were the last human words recorded For you and I, from God, in the flesh. Verse 18 said, He came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. So, go and make followers of all people in the world. Baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've told you to do. You can be sure that I will be with you always. I will continue with you until the end of time. You know what great, great words. And I know it's hard to memorize, especially if you change in versions. I grew up on the King James, and so I memorized those in the King James, and I'm trying to memorize these in the ERV. And the reason why is because It forces me to think about what's being said. It forces me to think about the content of what's being said, not just spouting off something that's been stuck in my memory. All authority has been given to me. Everything. I have the authority to pass along to you. Because of that, so, now, go make followers of all people. Not just those you know and like. Of all people. And teach them. Don't just make them a follower. How we miss that? How do we miss that? We've made evangelism the, the only thing that matters. Make sure somebody gets saved. They're going to heaven. Well, yeah, that is eternally important. But if we're going to obey the word, it's teach them. Teach them to obey. Don't just teach them the Hey, it's not just teach them the rules. Teach them how to obey. There's a lot of difference. Hey, if, when you are raising your kids, or as you are raising your kids, it's one thing to let them know what the rules are. It's a whole lot of difference to teach them to obey the rules. Sometimes that requires discipline. Sometimes that requires grace. Sometimes that requires repetitive conversation about the problem. Doesn't it? Sometimes it causes you to have to go with them and say, no, don't do that. No, do this. You have to be involved in what's going on. Well, it's the same thing with believers. We have to be invested in one another, involved with one another. Last words of Jesus calls believers to be witnesses of who He is and what He's done everywhere we go. And, and listen, He wasn't preaching. He was going to His disciples, but understanding His disciples His disciples were not the, the religious elite of the day. They weren't the professionals of the day. That was the scribes and the Pharisees. He didn't tell them the preachers to go do this. He's telling the people to go do this. It's not my job as a pastor to go share the gospel. It's my job as a follower of Jesus to share the gospel. It's my job as a sheep to produce sheep. My calling as a pastor is to tend the sheep herd. But my calling as a a disciple is to be a sheep. Same as yours. Your calling is to be achieved. He's called us to go. And to share. Acts 1-8. Anybody know what Acts 1-8 says? Anybody memorize that one? Is it a part of your your past memory work? It's the same context of Jesus' last words. It's just a little different um, setting. Jesus was talking... To, um, his disciples before he was taken up and he says in Acts 1.8 the Holy Spirit will come on you and give you power all authority has been given unto me the Holy Spirit will come on you and give you the power that you need you will be my witnesses go and make disciples now he's going to find to, you will tell people everywhere about me Jerusalem, Judea Samaria, the uttermost part of the world. That, that, that's a calling to go to Hitchcock's and to the campground and to the senior center and to your job, into your school, into your neighborhood and share the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to see ourselves as some kind of an outpost in God's kingdom. When we look at, he said Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the world. Those were outposts. I mean, those were places that you, you saw. Okay, if he said to Barbara, Barbara, you got to go to Melrose. Oh, I'd be different. Oh, okay, now I, I got a Melrose where I gotta go. He, but he just said go, and, and so it's easy to kind of miss that calling to go where we are. Go to the apartment complex. To, to go to my neighborhood, to go to my family. It's easy when we don't have a specific place called out to us to kind of push it off to be somewhere nothing. And and yet, I think we have to begin to see ourselves as God's representative in in a territory where the gospel is not being given. We need to be an outpost in our community. We need to give people the message of the gospel because they don't know what it is. I, I was shocked just a few years ago, right here in Keystone Heights, um, we ran into a, a person here in Keystone and began to talk about the gospel a little bit. They had absolutely... Either they were really messing with me, and I don't think they were, but this person had no idea of the message of Jesus Christ. They heard the name, mostly in a negative context, mostly in a, in a slang, cursing kind of way. They had heard about God... But that was more of a the thing up there. But they didn't know the message of Jesus in Keystone Heights. That's how I that grew you, Yeah, you what? Well, it was just a few years ago in South Florida, mm-hmm. Keys, actually, that you heard the gospel message. What do you think about that? Almost thirty years. We most of us grew up in church. For us to think, how, how can it be that somebody can be 30 years old in the United States of America, in the military, in in Florida? I mean, I mean, in the South. How can it be? You've not heard the gospel, and yet that's the truth of where we live. We can't assume. We can't assume. We have to go, and it begins with helping people understand. But there is a God and he has a design for everything he does he's not random you go back to the book of Genesis let's just, let's just take a look at the book of Genesis for just a minute this morning I want you to see how detailed God is in the beginning back when it all started. In the beginning, God created the earth and the sky. The earth was without light, not yet useful for anything. Deep waters covered the earth. The darkness covered the water. God's spirit was moving like a storm over the surface of the water. Then God said, let there be light. You go on, verse 6. Then God said, let there be space between the water in two parts. Verse number 9, Then God said, Let the water be under the sky, under the sky be gathered, so that there be dry land up here. Let there be land, let there be oceans. God, God's a God of order. God's a God of design. God is a God who has planned out everything in a specific way. Verse 11, Then God said, Let the earth grow grass. Verse 14, Then let there be lights in the sky. Verse 20, Then let the water be filled with many living things. Let the birds fly in the air over the earth. Verse 24, Then God said, Let the earth produce many kinds of living things. Let there be be animals. There's this design to all that God has done. Day 1, day 2, day 3. If you you noticed in between those, it said that this was day 1. Then this was day two. This was the, This is the way God, God's got a design and a plan. We're not happenstance. You're not just some accident random of nature. You are the design of an almighty, holy, perfect, all-powerful God. And you know what? Most people don't know that or believe that. If you don't know that or believe that, you're going to have a hard time understanding what's going on in life around you. You're going to have a hard time understanding the brokenness of life. There's so many people that think brokenness is the norm. What God intended was not brokenness. What God intended was perfection, fellowship, and relationship. We get to the story of of mankind. After He had made everything, He looked at it and said it was good. And after He made man, He looked at them and said they were very good. The Bible says that when He made mankind, He made them in His image. You ever thought about being in the image of God, what that means? You ever had anybody say, I, I, get, I get tickled, um, most of y'all know that Ann is not the mother of my daughter. She's Ben's mom, but she's not the mother of my daughter. And it used to be when the girls were younger and we were together we'd be off doing stuff, people would say all the time to Ann and Jennifer, say, oh, you look so much like your mom. And they, they would say thank you and then they would laugh because she does look a little bit like her mom. Her mom, not Anne. I don't know where they got this idea that she looks like Anne, but but they, they would do that all the time because they, they said what they saw was her image in the way she looked. It wasn't in the way she looked; it was the way she behaved. It was her mannerisms. It was the way she carried herself. The way she acted because she was around Anne all the time. She acted like Anne. She behaved like Anne. She carried herself like that. And that's exactly what God says of us. That we are made in his image. Bless you. We, we have the same characteristics as God. We have the ability to reason. I got news for you. This might shock you. It might come as some sadness to you. Your favorite pet doesn't have the ability to reason. They have instinct. But they don't think. Now, I know that might shock you, your precious little dog or cat. <laughs> but they don't. But you do. They have a choice of will. You, you realize you have a choice of will? That is a characteristic of God. Nothing else God created has a characteristic of will. An animal does what it does out of instinct because it must. It's the instinct within it. You and I can look at something and have the instinct within it, within us, to do something and say, no, I choose not to do that. Now typically we do that backwards than what we should we see what is right and we choose to do wrong. But that also means we have the, the ability to do what is right when we can do wrong. When we don't always choose to. It's God's design. God created everything for design. I, I know it doesn't fit in the world around us right now and I, I know it's not a uh, an argument in the church today, or in our church today, it's an argument in the church, but not in our church. But you understand that God designed us in every aspect of our life, regardless of what the world around us tells tells us. There are two genders in this room, and only two. Amen. I agree. And only two. You can identify any way you want to identify. That's a choice. You can call yourself anything you want to call yourself. But you are only male or female. Nothing else. Because God designed us that way. That's the way God designed things. God, God created things very specifically. In Genesis 1.28, the Bible says... That there's a very specific design for family. Verse 28 says, God blessed, or verse 27, God created humans in his own image. He created them to be like himself. He created them, male and female. And he blessed them and said, Have many children. Fill the earth, take control of it. Family. Go have kids. Be a family. Now, not every set of parents can have kids. But but that's not what we're talking about here, saying that that if you can't have a child, that you're not fulfilling God's. You'd be a family. A husband and a wife. Not a husband and a husband. Not a wife and a wife. Not a husband and a wife and a wife. (laughs) Not a husband and a husband and a wife. Not three dogs and a cat. A husband and a wife. A man and a woman. And here's what he said about that. Leave your family and cleave to one another. Pack up and get out. And go make your own. See, when we, we follow God's design, we get it right. When we don't, we, we have a lot of problems with that. Any of y'all ever had problems with in laws? Yeah. Uh, me, <laughs> <laughs> you got it made. Your in laws are out of country. <laughs> yeah, that's the last one, man. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Hey, what, what, what am I saying? It, follow God's design and it works all. When we don't follow God's design, things get messed up. He, he tells us in our work life have dominion. Over what's around you. He also said, go work. Go work. What do we see in the society today? I don't want to work. Go work. I don't want to work. I'd rather somebody else work. What's wrong with, what's happened to the society? The society's falling apart around us. Because people aren't following the design God designed. Now, are there people that can't work? Sure. Uh, I'm not talking about can't. There are, there are those that physically, mentally, emotionally, there are people that, that, that can't. I, I, I get that. And I and, and there's a call for us to care for them in society. That's the call that we have. But for those that can get off your rear end and go. And when you don't, it causes disruption and brokenness. Hey, all work and no play. There's a call for rest on the seventh day. God said stop and rest and focus. We we left that years ago. Now, many of us are old enough in the room to remember the day when this country, while they did not honor God, they did rest on the seventh day. It used to be you couldn't go shopping. You couldn't do different things on the Saturday and Sunday. Everything was closed. And then all the Christians wanted to go to the restaurants and so the restaurants opened back up. <laughs> hey, it's the truth. And then we tipped lousy and they talked bad about us. That's true too. What's the problem with that? It's not following God's design. God's design was on the seventh day gather together on the first day of the week. Two, two, different, two different commands. Two different commands. On the seventh day we're to rest. That was actually Saturday in the Old Testament. That day, a day of rest and focus. And on the first day of the week in the New Testament we're gathered together and remember the resurrection of the Savior. We have thrown both of those out the window. And listen, I'm preaching to me more than I am to anybody else about the rest. If I don't get a day off pretty soon from, from everything, I'm going to kill myself. Why? It's choice. Will. Doing it my way. Not for those that don't know. You know, I do other things besides the church. But, but that's my choice. Am I honoring God with that? I'm asking myself these questions. My following God's design. What we're talking about is people need to know that God is a God of order, a God of design, that God cares for them. He loves them. He desires fellowship and relationship with them. In Genesis, what do we see in Genesis? God walked through the garden in fellowship with Adam and Eve. Did He not? It was perfect relationship. The cool of the day. We haven't seen that in a while. Hopefully one day we'll see that again soon. I am so ready for the cool of the day. Thank you. But what happened when sin ended? What happened when things got broken? Men hid from God. Men didn't want to be around God. wasn't God didn't want to be around men. Men didn't want to be around God. God still came looking there's a design design affects every aspect of our life and it's about relationship with God unfortunately sin came in and broken this happened Romans 3:23 anybody quote that one for me All have sin come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Every single one of us. Those two sweet, precious children back there. Oh, I'm sorry. Never mind. Preston and (laughs) 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 Paige. Their mom was about to have a
1: heart attack because the preacher was lying in front of the church.
0: (laughs) They're sinners by nature. Miss Frame. Sweet Miss Frame. the a sinner by nature. She, she wanted to call bad things about her beloved Alabama today. she did <laughs> oh. <laughs> Pastor Mark. Godly man. Sinner by nature. We're all broken. here's how we know it. we fall short of the glory of God. We don't match the design. Anybody in here ever told a lie? Tell a lie. You're lying now. <laughs> what? What? You know what that makes? bunch of liars. We don't like thinking that way, do we? Anybody here stole anything? Bunch of thieves. (laughs) God said, don't lie. God said, don't steal. You want to know how we know we've fallen short of the design and the glory of God? We don't match that because Listen, I can go through about eight more of them and hit us. That's killing nobody. Great. Have you ever hated anybody in your heart? Remember, you were married. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus said. <laughs> if you hate somebody in your heart, it's the same thing as murder. Anybody ever committed adultery? Anybody, anybody ever, anybody ever committed adultery? Anybody ever lusted after somebody that wasn't yours in your heart? It's the same thing. God said. Jesus Himself said. What, what am I trying to tell you? We're broken. We know that. Many of them don't. First thing we have to help people understand is that God had a design, a design for us. And it was a design of perfection and relationship, a design of fellowship. God loves us and wants that for us. But we chose differently. And we broken that design. And the way we know that's true is we look at ourselves and we look at what God says and they don't match up. I've often said you can never lead a person to salvation in Christ that does not understand that they're lost and separated. can't get saved if you don't know you're lost. Most people I know that are lost in the world today have no idea they're lost. They're perfectly happy wandering around in their lostness. Because everybody else they see is wandering just like them. Including many who call themselves followers of Christ. God's design. Perfect fellowship. Man's problem. Sin. And brokenness. Where are you at today? You in fellowship? You've been restored to relationship? Have you found the Father? That's the way we feel about it. The truth is the Father found us. <clears throat> but did you come out of darkness into light did, did 30 years of, or at 30 years old a few years back were you like James? hey this thing is whoa wait a minute there's this thing with God there's this relationship I don't match that I don't fit that I'm broken how do I get there that's part two what do we do with brokenness? What is it? What does it affect it How do we direct someone so that they can come to a place of restored relationship? As we walk through this idea of the everyday gospel, can you do that? Can you take someone and walk it from God's perfect design to how that got messed up to how that can be restored that's the three circles that we're going to walk through over the next few weeks let me give you a hint if you don't already know this the brokenness of sin can only be fixed by the sacrifice that was perfect. By repentance. Amen. By confession. These are all terms we're going to talk about in the days ahead. If you're here today and you're not sure what I'm talking about, come see me. Let's sit down and have a conversation So that you can have a perfect Father, thank You that You are perfect and holy in every way. That Your design was not flawed. That the redemption that You had already planned before You ever created the first thing Was perfect and holy just like you. Father, thank you for the grace that we receive. Lord, for those of us in this room that are followers of Christ, help us to live in the image of a God who has redeemed us, that others around us might see us and say, You look like God by the way you behave, by the way you talk, by the way you carry yourself. May we lead them to the place of redemption, the cross of Calvary. Father, thank you for this day. Use us this week to glorify your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Mark